0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. A FIFA World Cup match hosted in Singapore, or perhaps the Commonwealth Games on the Sunny Island. These are two possibilities that have come up recently and got Singaporean sports fans excited. In early October, it was reported that Indonesia were in discussions with Australia about a possible joint bid to host the 2034 World Cup, along with Malaysia and Singapore. This ultimately came to nothing as Saudi Arabia were the sole bidders. Hi, I'm ST Sports reporter Deepan Raj Ganesan and this is Heart Tackle, where we debate a sports topic each month. Today, we discuss if Singapore is ready to play host to some of sport's major sporting events. So yes, joining me on today's episode are two very distinguished guests in Singapore's sports scene. First, we have former CEO of Sport Singapore, Mr Lim Teg In, and also joining us is Singapore Aquatics President, Mr Mark Che. First of all, welcome to the show. Before we even get into the actual topic of whether Singapore can host major sporting events, Let's give the listeners an understanding of what hosting a sports meet is like. Uh, take in, take us through that. I'm sure you've been involved uh, in a home Sea Games as an athlete and also later on as an official. Is it really hard to, to be a host?
1: Well, thanks a lot for having me here together with Mark. Um, does it take a lot out of our people to host a major games? The answer is yes, of course it is. It's a lot of hard work uh, over several years for something like the Southeast Asia Games. And that's really because the scale and magnitude is not the same as uh, just hosting a single sport major event. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for SEA Games 2015 itself, our planning started toward the end of 2012 going to 2013 all the way to 2015. And obviously, most of the people that were involved in the planning and organizing and the implementation of that could not just stop all the other work that they were doing. You would recognize that ActiveSG was launched in 2014. So there was a lot of work to be done. And I think uh, I was very proud that the SportSG staff all stepped up for it. The facets that you would have to cover involve the competition operations and the logistics. But under logistics, you have a massive list of things to cover. I've listed some down such as the accommodation, the workforce, including volunteers, transportation operations, commercial operations, sponsorship, protocol accreditation, broadcast and media ops, uh, legacy planning, and then also looking at the uh, long-term social, economic and uh, sporting impacts, mm-hmm. right, just to name a few. There's also the aspect of being able to engage our Southeast Asian partners in the Games to negotiate which sports you want to feature, And of course, then the internal engagement of stakeholders in Singapore to start to look at the budget and what we are willing to spend for such an event.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you know, Tekin is talking about all these things that that are involved in in hosting a SEA Games. Mark, you travel around quite a bit. When you speak to your counterparts from other countries and and when you go to other countries, can you sense that these guys are still interested in hosting major events? Because you see in Indonesia, we have like the Junior World Cup. A lot of other Southeast Asian countries are still hosting major events. You know, do you see that they're still interested in these things?
2: Yes. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I think it's great. Um, yeah, I do travel quite a bit for my other work in esports. There's huge demand to actually host events uh, overseas, um, bring a lot of people to their own countries. I think why countries host events or why cities want to host events are uh, there, there are many reasons, right? Economic reasons, tourism reasons, uh, development of infrastructure. I mean, when we helped the development of national teams, when we held the 2010 Youth Olympic Games, actually, that's when Singapore actually started our diving team. Ten years later, they qualified for the Olympic Games, right? And then uh, when we did the Southeast Asian Games in 2015, that inspired a generation of artistic swimmers um, to actually pursue the sport to greater levels. And we qualified for the world championships as well. So I think it's not only just about the economic decisions, right, on why people want to host You also look at what they want to achieve internally with their sport systems.
0: Okay. 2015 SEA Games, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be the last time we hosted like a proper major sporting event here in Singapore. For the younger people who who may not have noticed or experienced that, uh, Thiggy, could you share with us what did it do for our sporting scene?
1: Well, I think uh, when we plan and execute a major multi-sport event of that nature, There is, first and all, an updating of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I think many of our national sport associations then benefited from being able to receive that sort of infrastructure post-games for their training as well as uh, for their events. That's the very obvious one. Mm -hmm. The second one is, and this is where Mark is talking about that sporting impact, because basically what subsequently happens from junior athletes watching the senior athletes compete at home uh, they are inspired to go further and to sustain their efforts until they reach their dreams of their own, and I think that's a very significant impact. A third impact is really on the industry end of the spectrum, where you develop local capability, such as uh, understanding how to put in the competition overlays and how to provide the game services. Uh, from that point, you know these are very evident subsequently in all the events that you host you'll see the same quality, the same emulation of what we put out there in the SEA Games. Uh, for example, we intended to make a difference in sport presentation and entertainment. And I think that has continued on from that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Before I get to Mark and ask him about his experience now, you know, I think his team and him will be planning towards uh, a major event pretty soon in terms of uh, Aquatics Championships. But for you, I just want to get you to explain to listeners... When you talk about logistics and money being involved in hosting, let's say a Sea Games, what are we talking about? You know, what kind of scale are we talking about?
1: Well, I think what I can say is that obviously, when it's a multi-sport event, you are talking about several orders of magnitude more mm-hmm. than a single sport major event. What also is useful to share is that, therefore, the sponsorship opportunities and activations are a lot more available. And we saw a lot of new partners coming in to support the SEA Games and we managed to secure uh, between 80 to 90 million uh, Singapore dollars in sponsorship, both in cash and kind. Mm-hmm. And these companies, some of them continue to stay on with you, right, beyond the SEA Games. Because if you if they have a good experience in, the, in marketing, using the SEA Games, uh, they are likely to stay on with sports. And we were very happy and thankful for that. But it is obviously several orders of magnitude uh, more than a single sport major event.
0: Okay, Mark, uh, of course, we are going to be hosting the World Aquatics Championships in the near future. How does it happen? You know, does Singapore and and does Singapore Aquatics bid for it and then you get accepted? or, Or how does this come about? And also, what kind of preparation do you have to see through? I think the 2025
2: World Championships in Singapore, it it happened because of a few reasons, right? I think uh, 2025 was actually previously awarded to Kazan in Russia. Unfortunately, you know, there's, uh, I guess we know what's going on with Russia and that part of the world. And um, World Aquatics was actually looking for uh, a a new partner Mm -hmm. to host. Singapore came on the radar because I think we had a good track record. Of hosting events, uh, we have we are we have very good relations with the international federation, and they actually have a lot of trust in us. I think a lot of that also has to do with the different events that we we've held with the WTA, um, ATP. Mm. We held the Olympic Esports Week. Yep. Um, by the way, the guys from Aquatics <laughs> were here at the Olympic Esports Week, and they were blown away by what they saw. Not only just in terms of the quality of the production and all the production actually was done by local teams, but also how we presented the games, the opening ceremonies. I've heard from no less than 10 international federations that it was world-class. The, the presentation of the medals, the broadcast, everything was fantastic. And that actually gives a lot of, I guess, confidence to an international federation that a country like Singapore can host it. Over and beyond that, at the Singapore aquatics level, uh, we've had experiences hosting international swimming events, water polo events, diving events, artistic swimming events as well. And that add to... Uh, the robustness of the proposition that Singapore should host the 2025 World Championships.
0: How huge is it for us? And again, a similar question to what I had posed earlier in terms of the impact it makes for our sporting scene. You know, what do you think this World Aquatics Championships will do for us? Well, I
2: I do believe that we will put on a good show. Singapore has that tradition track record. Um, but over and beyond that, I think uh, what people can expect is a level of innovation. And I think that's what international federations have come to Singapore to achieve. Um, I think when we look at international games, major games, there's a lot of questions about how much it will cost, um, sustainability, uh, efficiency of how it's being run. And over and beyond that, I think we're also talking about the broadcast, marketing and merchandising and, and so on and so forth. But I think with the World Aquatics Championships coming to Singapore, it'll be the first time that um, other than the Youth Olympic Games, we see 200 countries coming to Singapore to participate. Mm. It's a chance for all these nations to experience what Singapore has to offer and for Singapore to open its doors and embrace what truly is a multi-nation, multi-games event. And I say multi-games because the World Economic Championships is actually six events, right? you swimming, diving, artistic swimming, water polo, open water and high dive. Singapore has qualified actually five of these. Uh, we don't have a high dive team because we don't have the high dive facility. But you know, who knows, maybe having the world-class athletes come to Singapore will inspire a new generation of high divers and will continue that strong tradition of doing well in the pool in the other five core sports.
0: Just to ask you, right, when you assess whether we can host such an event, you know, how do you determine if you have the facilities for such an event? So for these World Aquatics Championships, were you convinced that we had like, the facilities needed for all these events? Firstly,
2: I think it's not a Singapore Aquatics only decision. I think we really had to work together with Sports SG at the time. Take in was the, was the CEO and, of course, the ministry. Then, of course, we had to look at the different agencies in Singapore, whether it's uh, the trade agencies,
0: MTI, EDV, STB. You mean
2: there are so many
0: people that have yeah. to come together to, to make a decision for such a thing?
2: Exactly. Um, and we talk about open water, you have to get MPA
0: involved. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you
2: talk about, you know, doing something at Marina Bay. <laughs> you have to get URA, PUB involved as well. Uh, and uh, security, I think in today's context, right, security is so important. And we know who the agencies are with that. So I think when we host a multi-nation, multi-sport event, we also need to understand that we need to involve not just Sports Singapore, MCCY, but maybe three or four different ministries and their agencies as well. Yeah, so I think it's, it's not just hosting
1: an event. Um, I would also like to add that when, you know, Mark talked about innovation and Singapore is known to be able to work with our rights holders, the owners of the events, to be able to innovate and add value to the events. That, that shows up Singapore's reputation across a whole spectrum of different types of events in different sectors of our economy. Uh, but in the case of World Aquatics, we are aware of their rebrand, right? They, they rebranded to World Aquatics. They have a, a new tagline, United by Water. And I think we would like to very much work very closely with them to see what that means in terms of the social messages and the narratives, especially around social development, and how this can be translated to new commercial models, new commercial partners that would then subsequently stay on with Singapore Aquatics too uh, to be supporters of Singapore Aquatics.
0: Okay, understood. Uh, When we look at sporting events right now, I mean, we see it happen in various countries around the world. I think Saudi Arabia has been hosting new uh, sports events. We saw the World Cup being hosted in Qatar, for example. Do you feel that now, based on your expertise, that sports has become one of the main movers of tourism? Do you think that we are at that stage now where you can introduce a huge number of new eyes to the country just through sports?
1: I think it's very much not just new eyes on the country, but also inbound visitors, right? I think it was just... uh couple of days ago where there was an article in Business Times around the type of sporting event Singapore wanted to host and certainly that was an interview hosted by Singapore Tourism Board. I think they take a very hard-nosed approach to looking at whether or not an investment in a sporting event will bring the sort of inbound visitorship as well as shore up Singapore's reputation as a destination city and I think therefore it, it is a fact that it will be. But that's not to say that it's just about hosting the event. You really need to do the homework in marketing it overseas. You need to really uh, analyze the, the, the sort of attractiveness of such an event. And when you think about events, um, you need to maintain a certain rhythm and consistency of bringing it back. It's not just a one-off event that you can afford to host. So here we're doing the World Aquatics Championships. But subsequent to World Aquatic Championships, there'll be more aquatic events, though not necessarily across all six disciplines, all at one shot.
0: Okay, we've talked about all these various events that has happened in Singapore and could happen in the coming years in Singapore. But most recently in the news was a possible bid for the 2034 World Cup involving Singapore. Uh, This is something that the Indonesian press broke and they said that it might be together with Malaysia and Australia. And of course, in the end, it was Saudi Arabia who put in the bid and, and, and it will be hosted there. But is that even a possibility that Singapore could host a World Cup? Do we have... the the facilities, is it even a possibility? Because a lot of the reaction to this news was, I cannot lah, Singapore hosting a World Cup. And then there's, of course, subsequent questions of whether hosting a World Cup would mean automatically qualifying to play in the World Cup, are we that good enough, blah, blah, blah. But just infrastructure-wise, is it even a possibility?
1: Well, I think, you know, the context in which we've heard about these World Cup bids always has been in the context of ASEAN co-hosting. Yep. Football World Cup, and there was talk uh, many years ago about a joint bid from ASEAN for the World Cup. I believe that the ASEAN Secretariat, together with uh, member associations, were looking at that quite seriously. But I think if Singapore is ever a part of a consortium of countries that are standing up to bid for a particular event, of course, we will be able to do our part. Right, And, you know, we've recently seen the Basketball World Cup being hosted across three countries including two ASEAN countries so I think we do have the infrastructure and facilities but as I said to do it together with our ASEAN neighbours
0: okay Mark would you want to see that you know uh, ASEAN coming together and hosting an event like a a FIFA World Cup is that something that you see happening perhaps the years to come yeah I think with uh, I guess
2: why we have major sporting events and major games is really to inspire inspire sporting values and if we're able to amplify that through a regional bid, why not? I think major organizations as well would want to look at uh, very closely how sustainable their business model is in terms of having major games. Take, for example, the Asian Games. You're looking at 50 sports, 12,000 athletes. Mm-hmm. You're looking at maybe 50 to 60,000 people traveling into your city alone not many countries have the infrastructure and the capability of doing that. Mm-hmm. So if we're, we're looking at how we can continue to inspire and elevate and amplify some of these events, um, it takes not only just the host countries to think of innovative ways to be able to do that, but also the International federations to really rethink their business model and how they're able to grow and, and reshape some of these.
1: Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode.
0: And now back to our conversation with Take In and Mark Che. Uh, On ST's Hard Tackle, we like to ask our guests to make a stand. Uh, So in that vein, I have to ask both of you in terms of what do you think. Can Singapore ever host a major Games like the Asian Games or a World Cup? Why and and why not? Uh, Take In, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, I think as I mentioned earlier on, a major multi-sport event is a several orders of magnitude more in terms of budgetary requirements. And any country that wants to host this or any city that wants to host these events must think about its policy objectives very carefully to see whether that would align. And it's not my call to say whether or not we want to do so. uh, But if we did decide to do so, I think our facilities would be up to scratch and would be sufficient for such an event. You know that uh, in our infrastructure master plan, we've got five regional centers that we would build. Each of these regional centers would have uh, international-grade sports halls, two each, right? So there will be easily 10 of those to supplement what we have at OCBC Arena. Just thinking about uh, indoor sports halls, right? Yep. Uh, the one that Wapayo well, will have a 5,000-seat indoor sports hall arena, which I think will be more than capable of uh, hosting a major multi-sport event. Uh, on the plans, we also have our tennis centre coming up very nicely that was spec to be at least ATP 1000 compliant. So again, no problem there. Uh, so from a facility standpoint, we don't build these facilities to be able to host these events. We build these facilities for the people of Singapore and where it makes sense to do so, uh, we make sure we overlap the standards required to be able to be event-capable. And I think we are event-capable. But it's a separate question altogether whether or not you want to host such an event. I was just back from Jakarta and witnessed the Under-17 World Cup. They're hosting it in four stadia. Uh, the capacity levels that are required for that, I think in a matter of the next decade, uh, we will have those. We will have the national stadium, we've got NS Square, we've got the New Top Bio Stadium, and we can easily provide capability for another stadium if we wanted to I was at a match between France and South Korea the official attendance rate for that was uh, just at about the 8,000 mark so that's well within our capability
0: Fantastic I mean I would love to see a uh, under-17 or under-20 World Cup being held here because like you said it's something that we are capable of hosting at that level uh, Mark, for you you know, do you ever see or do you think that we are capable of hosting uh, uh, Asian Games or like a, a World Cup in the future?
2: Yes, uh, definitely. I think for all the reasons that Degan has mentioned, we do have facilities and I think when it comes to hosting events with Singapore, I think one thing that we are really good at is really looking at the resources that we have, thinking innovatively how we can actually host it. Because um we don't have, I guess, the luxury of 100,000 seater arenas, right? We also don't have a lot of the other sporting arenas. But what we have are multi-use sports arenas where we can easily convert them I think a good example was the Olympic eSports week, right? And a lot of people were blown away, right? Where we had 10 different eSports, whether it's virtual simulator sports, console sports, PC sports, all done on a single stage. Underneath that, right, I can tell you there's a lot of wiring and fabrication and everything to be able to turn over, let's say, a simulated racing car to Zwift, to a PC game, to a virtual simulator game. And... The ability to have that many frequencies, like tens, hundreds, thousands of, <laughs> hundreds of frequencies, right? Whether it's Bluetooth, mobile, whatever, to be still able to hold a technology-driven kind of a games. And I think that's something that Singapore is really good at. Mm-hmm. We look at infrastructure, we're able to visualize what the possibilities can be. And I think one thing going for us and a trend that's going through, through multi-sports is that there'll be less tourism in some sense but a lot of it will be seen by spectators on your screens mobile phone tablets pcs and tvs and uh, singapore is well equipped uh, with our technology infrastructure to be able to do broadcast very very well
0: okay perfect one question that definitely i have to ask you guys is the costing right when it comes to it and time and again we always go back to the yog and we talk about the costing and the budgeting that went into that so, on the cost of hosting major games, the 2010 Youth Olympic Games, of course, overran its budget. And understandably, Singaporeans were concerned and, you know, had things to say. Do you think there will ever be a stumbling block in the sense where you've got to convince Singaporeans first that it's worthwhile to spend our money in this area and hosting, uh, for example, like Asian Games if we want to? You know, is that the biggest stumbling block then to convince fellow citizens?
1: I think the as I mentioned earlier on, the policy objectives would define where such a Games would be relevant or not relevant for Singapore to host at any particular point in time. Obviously, if it's if it's not going to be able to be well carried with our population because it doesn't seem to make sense to them, I don't think it would necessarily make sense to us either. Mm. Uh, that said, I think there were a lot of lessons learned in the YOG and also lessons learned in the last C Games on how we can, as Mark said, uh, be innovative and be more cost-effective. And I think, you know, we have been running our events within budget, and we have been getting a good return indirectly. So there is a way of calculating what the economic impact of an event would be. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, there are two ways to look at that event, right? Definitely, we brought it in because it has some value from an economic perspective, and STB takes the lead on such matters, uh, but when we think very carefully about the social and sporting impact, that's where SportSG will take the lead on those matters and work with our SCP partners to see how much we can extend the economic impact.
0: Okay. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I was at the Commonwealth Games Federation Assembly uh, and they talked about how they want to remodel the event so that countries like Singapore can host it. So they talked up the possibility of how it's possible to still use existing infrastructure to host something like that. Is the Commonwealth Games the right kind of multi-sport event for us to host? Do you see that being something that the citizens will buy into?
1: I think when they were talking about looking at how to make the games more palatable to host countries and cities, they are precisely dealing with the question of why would it be relevant uh, for anybody to spend that amount of money to host their games. And obviously, they've run into problems and challenges and they are taking a hard look, credit to them, they're taking a hard look to see whether there are new formats that would make it more less cost-prohibitive and still as attractive to meet the objectives of the Commonwealth Games Federation themselves. I can imagine that one model is to break the games up and rather than think so hard about doing a multi-sport games think about single sport events run on a commonwealth framework so how would that work well if you went to the hilt and you decide to split it all up you could hold a commonwealth track and field championships ah, you could okay. hold a commonwealth aquatic championships you could hold a you know a, you understand what i mean yeah, yeah. and would you have the same level of engagement of the commonwealth countries in looking forward to something like that would you be able to fit it into a busy global sporting calendar would it diminish the prospects for sponsorship? All that will have to be considered. So you, you could keep it as it is, scale it down, make it less cost prohibitive. You could break it all up and analyze whether or not you're going to lose too much. And of course, you have the hybrid in between where you can group them into smaller groupings. But, you know, I'm, I can't speak for them and I've not been involved in that conversation. But for the sporting competition itself, it is still very entertaining from a fan and spectator standpoint.
0: Okay. Hopefully, I mean, we we do get to see a Commonwealth Games or some kind of Commonwealth Games in Singapore someday. Something as a fan, I would love to see for sure. And one last thing I've got to ask both of you is we've talked so much about how, you know, we do have the existing infrastructure. taking. you talked about how if we want to, we can host these things. But what do we need to get better at if there's anything? You know, any kind of infrastructure that we still lack or, or how do we get Singaporeans to buy in? What do we need to get better in as a Singapore sporting scene to be very, very confident one day that if the time comes in and we have the opportunity to do so, that we can say, hey, you know what? Singapore is ready to host Asian Games or Commonwealth Games. Anything that you suggest or anything that you think that we can get better at or need to take note of.
2: Maybe I want to add something on the Commonwealth Games first. So I think with the Commonwealth Games, they actually do need to think about how they want to relook at their business model, right? Uh, I think it was Victoria that was supposed to be $5 billion, right? And that is ridiculous in any terms, right, to host a multi-sport event. And uh, I, I actually think that's just too expensive. It's prohibitive. And I understood why exactly they decided to pull up. But something which is quite interesting to me was that why no one has actually stepped up to say, let's do 2026, mm. right? And that to me signals, I guess, what is the relevance of the Commonwealth Games in today? We're talking about a multi-sport, multi-country event. There's the Olympic Games. And they do a great job doing that. If they're looking at inclusivity, having para-athletes together, they need to do a better job doing that because what they're doing is that they're only allowing higher classification of para-athletes. And not allowing the lower classification of para athletes to participate, you can't be half inclusive. Mm-mm. And I think for these various reasons, they really need to look at the sports program and how it fits into the overall scheme of things because the Olympics is something that will not go away. Um, international federations, they try their utmost to qualify their athletes through various major games. The Commonwealth Games is not one of them, right? That's why the Asian Games has a lot of relevance. That's why the Pan Am Games that, that just happened last week has a lot of relevance. Another major Games that doesn't have a lot of relevance is the European Games, mm. right? And they're struggling to actually find a host city for 2026. And um, it's quite strange because the best European athletes do not actually go to the European Games. They do not actually qualify through the European Games. Only some sports do to the Olympic Games. And therefore, host cities do not see the prestige so you, if, if the Commonwealth Games wants to find that niche, right, they kind of need to see how they can fit into the Olympic movement, which I don't know whether they want to or they need to find that niche. Find sports that are going to appeal to the youth, fulfill their missions and values and their core distinction and um, just focus on that. I think if, if they're able to do that, they'll have relevance. They'll be able to innovate and not be held to like a standard which was in the past or the Olympic standard. And, uh, you know, more host countries will be able to host.
0: Yeah, so basically talking about how they can become more attractive uh, for host cities. So in that vein, of course, how can Singapore be more attractive for possible major sporting events? Is there anything else that we've got to work on or that we can look at in the coming years?
2: Perhaps, maybe I can add a perspective. I think that Singapore would like to host major games, major events that... Uh, our athletes can actually do well in. So I think from a high performance national sports association perspective, right, we host major games. We want our athletes to participate. There is uh, very little value in hosts and there are very few properties where we're happy to host or a country who is happy to host and be spectators, mm. right? Because at the end of the day, we want to inspire and we need to grow our local heroes, and this is where. I think you know, the, the, the different media agencies as well as the newspapers, the media guys, the, the TV guys, as well as the, the radio guys, need to tell inspiring stories to inspire Singaporeans to actually do well at these games. Um, and hopefully, and this is a segue to my second point, Singaporeans need to show up. We can't just rely on foreigners to fly into Singapore and buy tickets. Singaporeans need to take up some of the responsibility and some of the owners to actually want to buy tickets, right? Uh, to, to watch our athletes do well, our uh, world-class athletes do well. I think an event that really has done very well is F1. It sold, <laughs> sold out months before. But no, that's just one example. We need multiple examples to keep the, the calendar robust and, and attract people to come to Singapore to live, work, and play as well. So I think uh, it needs to fit into the policy discussion like what uh, Tegan was mentioning. But I think those are the two main things that I feel that we should really go into.
0: I think it's a fantastic point that Mark raised. Do you agree that we need to have a team or a sport that is successful enough or good enough to qualify for that particular event before we even think about hosting and so on? So, for example, like the World Cup, is it fair then to say that, oh, we can't host the World Cup because our team is not good enough? How how do we think about it?
1: I think we look at sporting events from a portfolio and there will be a mix of uh, events where Singapore athletes will feature prominently and other opportunities to hold world-class events where our local athletes may not, right? So you would still like to see good world-class football come to Singapore, even though the Singapore national football team will not be playing. Mm. We would love to see them play, but in, in those instances, you'd still want to see uh, world-class teams coming together to play. And that's the, the sort of vibrant sporting scene that we want to provide for. But as costs escalate, as, as properties are quite expensive, we will have to be, as I said, quite circumspect about whether or not uh, when we think about those calibre of events, whether there is an economic return. And I think we have taken that perspective, for example, with the WTA finals. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, notwithstanding there was no local player in the WTA finals. There were a lot of local players involved in all the fringe events. And I think the tennis fans and future tennis players of Singapore were readily engaged and inspired by what they saw on court.
0: Okay, perfect example there to end it with. Uh, once again, Tegin and Mark, thank you for coming on the show and you know explaining to us a lot of the nitty-gritty details of what it takes to host and also whether we are ready to host it in the future. I guess three of us all share a common goal in terms of wanting to see Singapore always be a proud, proud host of events, sporting events especially in the future. And let's hope that we get to see one again in Singapore. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.
1: That was a podcast by The Straits Times.